If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 116 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on October 10th, 2021. Where do I even begin? Well, for starters, I could—I guess I could tell you that I'm looking out the window right now, and the weather here in New York today is pretty appropriate in relation to our overall moods, and much of the 2021 season as well. Dark, dreary, and unpredictable. Inconsistent. I mean, is there a Better relation out there? I don't really think so. Bipolar, inconsistent, nightmare of a season. Listen, am I angry and disgusted and about a million other negative emotions? Absolutely. Definitely. But more than anything, not only because of how this team has beaten me, has beaten all of us to an emotional pulp for six months, for a vast majority of the year, and the fact that I've had about five days to sit on this now since they were eliminated yet again by the Red Sox, there's really nothing more to say other than it was a fitting end to a mostly disgraceful season, full of bipolar gameplay, offensively especially, Inconsistency all around of the highest order, vast underperforming, organizational incompetence, bullpen meltdowns a lot of the time costing them a lot, a lot of vital wins. The list just goes on, but most of all, especially in the end, and this happened a lot of times, especially when they won 13 games in a row after the trade deadline... A lot of teasing that could also be thought of as torture, since in the end, it always amounted to nothing. This is year three in a row, third year in a row, that I'm doing a show after the Yankees were eliminated from playoff contention. And I can tell you firsthand that as the years continue to go by, it doesn't get any less exhausting. And it doesn't get any less frustrating to have to do this type of episode every October. Not only as the Yankees continue to just come up short in general, but because they're actually getting worse. 
Do you realize that they're getting farther and farther from their goal? That they are regressing every year? Do you understand that? Do the Yankees understand that? Look at 2017. The first year of this five-year window that we're in the middle of with this general core of players. I know there have been a lot of players who have switched. They've come and they've gone over. But, you know, the same core. This window. This was year five. 2017, game seven of the ALCS. Came within a game of the World Series. Ultimately failed. But it was a season that you could look back on with a lot of happiness, a lot of fond memories, because that team was not supposed to be anywhere near that. And since then, with teams that were supposed to be there, or even further past that point, maybe even winning a championship, God forbid, they've done nothing but regress. And we all know what happened in 17 with the scandal and whatever. We don't have to go over that again. A lot of that was the Yankees' fault, too, for just not hitting. We've been over all of it a million times, including when it was actually exposed in 2019. We've been through all of it. But we obviously know the scandal, too. That kind of thing gives an advantage. But that thing aside, what happened in 2017, that team wasn't supposed to be there. And they've accomplished more than any other more talented team these last four years. 2018, the DS embarrassed by Boston, embarrassed, and we all know the Red Sox would go on to win it all. 19, back to the CS against the Astros, didn't even do nearly as well as you did in 17. When six games and you played worse at Yankee Stadium, the Yankees were unstoppable at Yankee Stadium in 17. Especially in that CS, they won all three of their wins in the CS at Yankee Stadium in 17, and they failed at that in 19, and failed at their ultimate goal again. Last year was what it was. We know that. ALDS again. And this year, the wild card. You didn't even make it past the wild card. It's draining. It's draining. And there's going to be yelling today. There's going to be a lot of upset behavior. But that's to come later when we recap the wild card game, when we go through the social media segment, which I did sort of a different thing this time around. You'll see later for those who didn't already see it on social media. Sort of did like a little bit of a vent session since I felt we all could use that even though it's days later. I'm just at a loss for words, guys. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of doing this episode every year. I'm tired of reflecting back on all these past 12 seasons since the last time the Yankees not even only won a World Series, but even won a damn pennant, made it out of the American League. Four ALCS losses, three ALDS losses, two wildcard losses. And in the other three years, 2013, 14, and 16, they didn't even make the playoffs. And in the last five years... All of the Yankees' eliminations, except for one being last year when they were eliminated by the Tampa Bay Rays, have been against our biggest rivals these last five years. And that's the Red Sox 
and the Astros. Two each. And to put it very kindly and mildly, I'm pretty freaking tired of watching that too. It's exhausting. And I'm really tired. I'm just tired. And the last three years, the last three ends to the last three seasons, I've been doing yapping Yankees. Had to wrap up the 2019 season after that heartbreaking end. I started the show at the very beginning of that season. Last year was just chaos. And then you got this year. After the most underwhelming Yankee season, especially given the expectations heading in from this roster, the most underwhelming Yankee season I've ever seen in my 15 years as a fan. And now I got to do a wrap up on this after a wild card elimination. A wild card elimination. A wild card elimination. And I keep repeating that to myself because I think the more I tell myself it, I'll eventually come to believe it. But yet, it's still freaking unbelievable to me. And the sad part is, is that it really shouldn't be to any of us. Because given how this season went, I I think all of us, somewhere in the back of our minds, even though we were being positive, as was I, because I'm a fan of the team and I want them to succeed, God forbid... And especially towards the end there, we were all being very positive. But I think all of us deep down knew that this season wasn't going to have a good end to it. And, but honestly, maybe even that's not even the truth fully. Because you just never knew with this team. When they caught fire, it was impossible for basically anybody to beat them. But it was evident that again at the very end, starting with the weekend at Yankee Stadium against Tampa Bay, that they had cooled off again. And when they cool off, anybody could beat them. Even the Orioles could beat them. And there's physical proof of that. The most inconsistent team ever. And the sad part is, speaking of Baltimore, is that I know a lot of fans of opposing fan bases are looking back and saying, oh, you know, the Yankees, they could have been hosting the wildcard game or even had a better competition for first place if they didn't blow this game or that game. I mean, listen, take your pick. It's not one particular game. A lot of Met fans are saying, oh, yeah, it's the Lindor game. Or a lot of Angels fans are saying, yeah, it was the game when they blew the four-run lead in the ninth inning when Chapman melted down. Take your pick, guys, because as far as I'm concerned, it could be the Lindor game. It could be that Angels game. It could be the game in Houston when the Yanks blew that five-run lead in the ninth inning. Or it could be any of the losses to Baltimore. Take your pick. You're not special. It could have been any of those. Bottom line is, the Yanks didn't get it done again. Here we are again. 12 years later, again, not getting it done. And this year was the most frustrating of all. Because I got to be honest with you, this season, most of the time, I mean, after a Yankee season ends, I'm usually more depressed and more upset than anything. And I am upset now. Please don't get me wrong. I'm sure you could hear the tone of my voice, how freaking pissed and sad I am. But in every other season that's ever ended before, I usually have a a lot of good memories that I could look back on. Oh, this was good that happened, or that was good that happened. Look back on it and bring a smile to my face. I mean, you look back on this season with the expectations heading in. You take away the 13-game winning streak and that little fun they had after they acquired Gallo and Rizzo at the deadline. This season was freaking miserable. I have little to nothing that I could look back and be like, oh, that was great. I mean, taking away those things, like I said. But I just have little to nothing here. 
This team drove us crazy this year. Crazy. I mean, all the days, what the hell is the offense doing? Or how is the bullpen blowing this game? How are they letting this team beat them that many times? I Take your pick. All season long, especially in the first half, but all season long for the most part. That's why I said a fitting end. And I just had to get that out of my system now, but not nearly all of it is out. I I mean, we're going to go over the wild card game later, and I'm going to be introducing all of the off-season topics that are now a result, that are now valid topics following this completely disgraceful season. This season that the Yankees got eliminated in the wild card game after only winning 92 games. And I know there are a lot of people out, I know, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of a team who consistently fails every year and has a truly miserable season, you're definitely breaking out your small little violin and saying, Mike, shut the hell up, you have no idea what true failure is, your team still won 92 games, blah, 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 blah. I hear you now, and I'm going to tell you right now, That you just have to be a Yankee fan to understand. To hold the team to the expectations that you do. To have the roster that the Yankees had coming into this season. Especially whether or not you thought they could have spent more money. How about the payroll that they still had to put this roster together? And looking at the results of it all. And what they put the fans through all year. That's all I could tell you to try to get you to understand. Otherwise, listen, this rant I guess just isn't for you. Call me an entitled Yankee fan or whatever you want. Truth is, in my 15 years, I've only seen one championship. In my 15 years as a fan. And I've had to deal with the Yankees constantly coming up short regardless of their expectations. But especially this year, this team was supposed to go all the way. All the way. And I know people predict them to go all the way almost every year. Plenty of years I don't agree with them in. But this year, I was starting to feel it a bit. And this year, I looked at the roster. I said, I mean, listen, if they stay healthy... There's little to no flaws here. This should be a great one. And of the last five years, it was the worst. The worst. As far as gameplay throughout the season on the whole, and how it all ended. The absolute worst. But regardless of how you look at it, regardless of how awful the ending was, regardless of how torturous the season was, ultimately, Especially these last five years, but even these last 12 on the whole, again, since they've even won a pennant, let alone a World Series. It's a different year, but it's the same crap. Different year, same crap. Look at the episode title, because in the end, that's what it is. So we've still got plenty to talk about with all of this, obviously. Like I said, I'm going to go in all of it. I'm going to go in and recap. I'm going to go all in. Go in more detail about everything I just threw at you pretty much. Everything I just let loose on for a little bit there. And even introduce some off-season topics because week by week we're going to be picking apart this team and talking about which aspect you'd like to stay the same, which ones need to change, and what you would do if you had to change them. Because that's where we're at. The Yankees are at a massive crossroads after this year. And especially with the CBA coming up this offseason, that's going to be a big thing. But the Yankees having stayed under the tax this year, so it should reset. And what happens with the CBA will undoubtedly have an effect on it too. And I'll be covering that all winter long here on Yapping Yankees as long as there are updates on that. 
but will the Yankees be willing to spend more? Which positions will they be looking to change on the field? What will they be changing off the field, within the organization, or otherwise? There's a lot of topics here to talk about, and we're going to mention all of it. We're going to start introducing all of it before we take it week by week this winter, like we do every offseason, after the Yankees have constantly failed at their ultimate goal the last 12 years, but in particularly on this show, the last three years, because I've been doing this for two and a half years now, and I've had to do three, this is my third episode of wrapping up the season after the Yankees come up short. Did it in 19, did it last year, and doing it this year now. So we're going to get into all of that. And then with the social media segment, I figured since people could use it after an ending like this, I figured that I would do a sort of a, a therapy session, if you will, with the listeners or the Yankee fans in general. A vent session. And it went well. On Twitter and Instagram, a lot of people submitted replies. As always, I'm going to go through as many as I can, as usual. Definitely not nearly all of them, because not only did so many people have so much to say, but there were just so many replies, I I can't get to all of them, I just can't. But I'm going to get to as many as possible. And if you want to see them for yourself, you know, just go to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero, look for the social media segment tweet. It's all there. All of it's in the comments, but we're going to go through that. And we're going to just do a lot of talking about just the season and everything, guys. Just how it all ended. We're just going to go in on it. Because while that ranting just now felt good, it's not all out yet. It's not. Like Rocky says in the final Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa, says I still got some stuff in the basement. Uh, Well, I got some stuff in the basement still too. But we're going to switch it up a little bit here today because I want to get into what I think first and expand upon my thoughts that I've introduced to you already here in the intro. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do recap first this week instead of going to the social media segment and then recap like on all past weeks. This is a different sort of episode anyway, unlike any regular episode every year. This sort of an episode where we wrap up the whole season and we just talk about all of it on the whole, it's always different than a usual Yapping Yankees episode. So I'm going to switch it up this week. I'm going to do the recap, talk about everything, get it off my chest, and then we're going to end today with the social media segment and hearing what you had to say to vent about this travesty of a 2021 season and how it all ended, in my opinion, appropriately. So let's waste no time. I'm not even going to do the time machine effect today. I'm just, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. I'm still angry and upset and just as passionate as I was five days ago, but I've also had time to sit on this and just be as sensible about this as possible. And I'm just exhausted by it all, and I don't really feel like just doing anything fun. Like, oh, let's do a time machine, which is sad because this is the last week that we're going to be doing any sort of a recap since the season's over. From this point forward, we're just going to do the normal off-season routine now. Just do an introduction, a social media segment, and then any news if there's to talk about it. Along with discussion on the general off-season topic we happen to be hitting on for that week, obviously. But I'm just not in the mood today. I'm not, and I doubt you are either for any stupid sound effects or any crap like that. I'm just not. Not in the mood. But before we get into recap, I'll just give you a quick reminder that Yapping Yankees, of course, is being brought to you by myself and Ball9. Visit Ball9's website, Ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9. And also, don't forget to follow me on all socials as well. Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, at Mike Scuds 97. And also show some love to Yapping Yankees. Listen to it all on all social medias. 
and subscribe to it. Leave a like down below if you're listening on YouTube. Leave a review if it's on any of the other three platforms. And all the platforms, of course, are YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Listen to it on all four. Show it love on all four. You know the whole deal, guys. You guys do it. You're the best. I guess we'll just do a quick recap of last Sunday, and I'm sorry if my overall mood is down, guys. I mean, if you came into this episode expecting anything different, then I mean, what are you doing? (laughs) Any Yankee fan as passionate as myself with the first episode since the way things ended five days ago, if you're coming into this episode expecting any sort of a different mood, I don't really know what you're looking for, but it's it's nothing good. (laughs) So... With the final weekly recap of this year, I guess I'll just touch on last Sunday really quick too, Game 162 against the Rays. If you remember, I reacted live to this on last week's episode up until about the bottom of the fourth, I think, when there was no score yet, after Tyone had done a terrific job pitching when he wasn't even at 100% against a team like the Rays in a game the Yankees absolutely needed in order to avoid a Game 163 tiebreaker. So Tyone did an excellent job. The bullpen did a spectacular job after him. The offense was dead. Didn't score until the ninth freaking inning and only had one hit until then. Gio Urshela, definitely want to mention this too. He made the catch of the year, in my opinion. Maybe even the catch of the last five years. Who the hell knows? But (laughs) at least he was okay as well after it all. But a downright incredible catch. And the Yanks won one to nothing. And clinch the playoffs, obviously, but that's not the important part, of course. The important part is what happened two days later in the wild card game. And this is what's going to consume the rest of Weekly Recap. Just going to talk about the game and all the grievances with this team and introduce some of the offseason topics that we're going to be hitting on all winter, week by week, as usual. So strap yourselves in and. Let's do it. The wild card game, which, as I said all throughout the introduction of the show, was obviously a very fitting end to what was a torturous and disgraceful season for the most part. And the game was, it was in every way, it was, it was a nightmare. A nightmare. From the start. Not only, like over the weekend against the Rays, was the offense a corpse, like they've had a habit of doing so much this year. Again, I want to say, a team designed for runs, for power, and they had nothing. Not a thing. Not only were they nowhere to be found outside of Rizzo, Stanton, and Judge, as usual, especially Rizzo and Stanton, in this game's case, but our ace, Garrett Cole, who not only am I convinced is still having hamstring issues, and I'm not using that as an excuse at all, although there are statistics to legitimately support that claim, but I'm just saying, Garrett Cole, the ace, is literally paid For this kind of game, for the express purpose of games like this, he had one job, put up zeros, and in doing that, don't put the team in a hole and keep them in the game. And he completely, 
crapped the bed, completely choked, completely screwed the pooch. Went two plus innings, two, two plus innings, four hits, three runs on a two-run homer to Bogarts and a solo shot to Schwarber, yet another home run to Schwarber off Cole, two walks, and three strikeouts. And you might say, oh, Mike, that's not that much damage. Well, it happened in two innings. It's a lot of damage for two innings for your ace. And I know it happens to the best of pitchers. I know it happens. But my God, you're paying this guy a lot of money. And for it to happen, could it have happened at a worse time? In a worse game? You're allowed to be frustrated over it. But like like I touched on last week and a little bit prior to that, let's talk a little bit more again about nonsensical game planning, and especially the Bogarts at-bat in the first inning. Because again, for a little while now, I've pointed out, especially last week, how awful Higashioka and Cole's game plans have been. Now, in this case, you threw Xander Bogarts sliders. And I believe one curveball too. So it's two and one. Count two and one. And for the next pitch between two brilliant minds who claim to work so well together, especially in the case of Garrett Cole, a brilliant pitching mind. And you collectively decide to throw a 2-1 changeup to a righty ahead in the count? You hang a meatball changeup? Why? Why would you do that? I want someone to explain to me why. I mean, he had nothing working. But what's with that pitch selection there, regardless of what you have working or not working? What are you doing speeding the guy's bat up like that after breaking balls? A guy like Xander Bogarts? With a changeup? Speed the velocity all the way up. Elevate the fastball better. Change eye level. Or even use the curve again. They barely use the curveball. And you could get Xander fishing sometimes down in the dirt. It happens, despite how good of a hitter he is. But there, after nothing but sliders and sliders, and his slider has been horrendous lately. But after slider, 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 throw a fastball. If you're going to speed the bat up after a bunch of breaking balls, go fastball. Don't go off speed with the changeup to a righty when they're ahead in the count. I kept on saying that in the moment. I have people that were watching the game next to me that could vouch for that. I just kept saying, throw a fastball. But the only other thing you go to there is a curveball if you're not going to throw a fastball. You don't go change up to a righty when they're ahead in the count. There is nothing worse to risk leaving over the plate than a flat hanging changeup. Are you out of your mind? I I can't get it in through my head. I can't get it through my head that two sophisticated people, especially Garrett Cole, agreed that the best thing to throw there was a changeup. Oh, but they didn't seem to have a problem getting fastball happy in Toronto when the fastballs kept on getting clobbered, yet they kept on going back to it. They kept forcing the issue with it then. Enough with pretending that Cole and Higashioka are some magic combination and it's worth sitting a better option for. And I know Gary's done nothing the last couple of months, but in general, he's better than Higgy, particularly offensively. He is. 
That's just the truth. If you had to compare the two, Gary is better offensively than Higashioka. Even someone like myself, who's not a Gary fan, can admit that because it's the truth. You want to talk about behind the plate here and there? Fine. You got a little bit more of an argument there. But you're sitting the better option while pretending that these two are some magical combination when the last few games, their game plan has been questionable at best. So with that being said, no more personal catcher crap, okay? I'm done with it. You have to earn that. I know I've been harsh today, guys. I know. But I'm pissed, alright? I'm pissed off. But after all that yelling again, Garrett just didn't get the job done. Regardless of game plan or whatever, he just didn't do his job. He didn't go out there and pitch the game that was an express purpose game for him to do his job in. And he didn't do it. And I saw and appreciated the acknowledgement on Cole's part that he just failed. He acknowledged it. And I saw how sick to his stomach he was. And I'm still not giving up on the guy, and I know he didn't want to perform like that, obviously. But the truth is, he did fail. That's all there is to it. You could spin it however you want. He failed. I know it, you know it, and even he knows it. That's why he was sick to his stomach, because he knows he failed, and he did. He simply did not earn that contract that night. They had a horrible game plan, he had nothing working, and he put the team in a hole right away, right in the first inning, and it never got better, right up until the moment he came out with nobody out in the third inning. Period. End of story. Now, like I also said earlier, also to blame, plenty to blame, the mostly lethargic offense. Like most of the year, outside of Rizzo, who hit a home run, Judge, who had a hit, and of course, a great over 140-plus games played, which I predicted back in January, if you recall. I missed my 40-home run prediction by one little home run, but I basically nailed that. (laughs) And also, Stanton, who had a three-hit night, and unfortunately, had the baseball gods absolutely despising him all night long. He had a first-inning long single that thanks to ESPN and their stupid camera angles, I thought was a moonshot. Everyone thought it was. Followed by yet another long fly ball later that looked like a game-tying two-run shot, but hit the top of the monster. 400 feet and 115 miles per hour off the bat, I think, and it didn't get out. I couldn't believe it. He settled for a single and then advanced to second after Judge was thrown out at home. Another out at home for the Yankees on... One of the worst sends from third base by Nevin I've ever seen. But then Stanton hit a 340-foot opposite field shot later down 6-1, and that gets out before the Yanks lost 6-2. So he hits those massive shots before, nothing gets out, especially the second one, and then the 340-foot little opposite field home run over that short right field wall gets out. That's freaking baseball, Susan! But the three of them, Stanton, Judge, and Rizzo, the three of them had five of the six hits on the night. And they were the only sources of offense. The very first three hitters at the top of the lineup. The four through nine hitters, one for 20 with eight strikeouts. Nothing. Nothing to be found at all. 
Joey Gallo, who I got to say, outside of that home run tear a few weeks ago, I got to say, especially with his recent defensive mistakes too, was useless. Simply no saying otherwise. Gave the guy a chance. I was plenty open to him. Glad when they got him. Go listen back to my trade deadline episodes. Starling Marte was my number one, and I'm feeling pretty good about that in hindsight, so make of that what you will. But I was excited to get Gallo. I gave the guy a chance, but he, in his New York days, before that, whatever, when he was still at Texas the first half, but when he came to the Yankees, Gallo's been terrible. There is no beating around the bush with it. Terrible. And he does have a year of control left, so he could very well return because of that, but... I wouldn't be bothered if he didn't. Now, just going around the rest of the team, I mean, after just discussion of the game is over, let's go one by one here, a part of getting the rest of it off my chest and getting some off-season discussion started here. Glaber Torres. I mean, listen, we've spoken about it plenty. The kid's not a shortstop. And it's not a debate. And if you remember, in the offseason, I believed that he could work to being one. He's a young athlete, and I felt that he would be up to the task. Just with hard work and dedication, he could work to be one. I mean, he came up as one to begin with, right? And that ended up being a colossally awful take that I've owned up to for months now. And I completely take that L. I do. And he got more comfortable after moving back to second towards the end, but... Overall, I mean, you can't sugarcoat it. You can't. He just had a very bad year. Horrible. Terrible. And a second consecutive bad year at that. And again, I know 2020 was what it was, but it was still bad, so... I take the L with saying that he could have played shortstop. He definitely can't. The entire time he was doing it, he was horrible. When he moved back to second for the rest of the year towards the very end, he got a bit more comfortable, but on the whole, just a terrible year for Glaber. You had Geo, definitely underperformed at times, especially during the times of injury or not playing at 100%, but it was a rough year for him too, compared to his 2019 and 2020 selves at least. Especially with those injuries, and you saw how not having his bat at its best throughout the year, really hurt this lineup. Guys like him and DJ, guys who were catalysts for the lineup in 2019 and 2020, you saw with how they were either injured or underperforming how much this lineup missed them incredibly. And Gio is one of those examples. Gardner, who knows if this was in fact his last year as of now. We don't know. But if you recall, he had an awful start to the year, but then actually proved again to be important when Hicks went down, guys like Clint and Andujar getting hurt and not performing, and so on and so forth. And he had some good moments down the stretch. He did. Let alone the fact that he never gets hurt, and he grinds out at bats. So maybe as a fourth outfielder, just like prior to this year, before knowing the higher role that he would have to play due to the team's circumstances, maybe he'll be back. Who knows? Like this year, you can never know what's going to happen to the team, and if a lot of people get hurt again, even if he is designed to be a fourth outfielder, you could see him a lot again, which I really wouldn't be too much in favor for, despite how good he was down the stretch. But I also wouldn't be totally opposed to bringing him back, just as a backup option. But 
he could either exercise the option that he has for 2022 or the Yankees could buy him out. I wouldn't really be opposed to either one as of now. I'm kind of a neutral party with this. And I agree with points made on both sides for the argument of whether or not to bring back Gardner. But that was the deal with him. Gary Sanchez. He's a big one. Started off the season right where he left off in 2020. And that's horrendously. Then he had some good times there for a couple of months, hitting home runs again and showing his potential again. And then through the final two, two and a half months, he went right back to giving you virtually nothing all around, at the plate and behind the plate. It's a tough call to make. Austin Wells isn't ready yet down in the minors. He's not ready. You got Higgy, you got Rob Brantley, and neither of them are good enough starting options at all. (laughs) So, do you go out and look for someone else? I mean, who else would you even be able to get? Because if you look around baseball right now, true catching talent isn't exactly easy to find these days. And also factor in that Gary's under arbitration again one last time this winter before becoming a free agent in 2023, as is Aaron Judge. So there's a lot to take into consideration when it comes to Gary's situation. But it's very likely that you could see him back. But one thing's for sure, personal catcher or not, like last year, and they also didn't play him throughout most of the playoffs, even though this year's playoffs consisted of one damn game, it did speak volumes to me that he didn't play until the very end of the game, in an elimination game, when it was already out of reach, they put him in. So that's an eye-opener to me, between how things ended with him this year and how things went with him and how he was handled throughout most of the 2020 season when he was horrendous and throughout the 2020 postseason when he barely saw any action. So you could take that into consideration too. You got Luke Voigt, and you did what you did with him, not playing him down the line when you could have. So I wouldn't blame him if he uses that in an effort to get traded because he wasn't used when he could have been. And he also had an injury-ridden season too, and he really proved that he's still having trouble staying healthy. So that's something to consider on the Yankees' side as well. And the obvious as well, do plans to bring or not bring Rizzo back have an effect on his return? They very well could. So, DJ, he isn't going anywhere. (laughs) I'll just be straight up with that. Now, he obviously had a down year. Whether or not it was because he was injured for the better part of, or the entire season like I spoke about last week, but he had a down year. But he's obviously not going anywhere. He just signed a six-year deal last winter. And we'll see if the surgery that he gets in the offseason for the sports hernia ultimately results in him looking anything like 2019 and 2020 DJ again in 2022. But he's not going anywhere. As far as where he's going to play in the infield, in the potential rearrangement of the infield, now since you have Glaber back at second, then you'd probably have to put DJ back at third if you sign a big shortstop. Maybe you bring Rizzo back or bring in another first baseman from the outside. But then that would leave Gio as the odd man out. That's a whole discussion we could have in a future week. But regardless of where DJ plays in the infield next year, he's coming back. He's not going anywhere because he just only finished year one of his six-year contract. But I got to tell you, 
basically how the season went on the whole with all the guys I spoke about just now, with the exception of DJ, obviously, since he didn't play, he's hurt. Everything mainly played out in the final game alone the same way it did throughout the season on the whole. Judge and Stanton, who had great years and should definitely hold their heads high all winter long for giving it their all and silencing all their critics, showed great things at the plate throughout the whole year and in the wild card game, especially Stanton. Rizzo had a nice night and brings unbelievable defense to the table, which the Yankees need. And you know I'm someone who hopes he comes back, depending on the money and years that he asks for, of course, but you know that I hope he comes back. And then basically everything else, more or less, nothing. That's how it played out in the wild card game for the most part, and that's how it played out throughout much of the season. I've said it for some time now, and I'm going to say it again. I only have a handful of untouchables on this team. Judge, Cole, after how we figured things out this year, Luizaga, and then with certain other names because of team circumstances or otherwise, I obviously want Stanton around, but even for those who don't want Stanton around, for some reason at this point, he's obviously not going anywhere, especially with that contract. And by the way, play him more in the outfield next year too, will ya? Just wanted to put that out there again. Play him in the outfield! And then other guys that'll stick around, like I said, DJ's not going anywhere, and I hope Rizzo comes back. Clay Holmes is under control to 2025, and he was a terrific find out in the bullpen at the trade deadline, so he's not going anywhere. I hope not. And of course, Nestor Cortez is also under control, and after what he showed this year, I don't want him going anywhere either. But other than those names that I just threw at you guys, I'm open to and think that there should be incredible change all throughout the organization. Even outside the players, too. I think we can all easily agree that this season, as we've said time and time again, was a disappointment on a scale that can't be described with words in any language. You had your on-field problems like we've spoken about all season, like runners in scoring position issues and situational hitting, double plays, outs on the bases, poor defense, late-game meltdowns, lifeless performances, losing to teams that you shouldn't be losing to. You name it, we've spoken about it. But there are also still fundamental philosophies and shortcomings within. Which leads me to remind everyone that everybody, from top to bottom, I've said this for months, especially throughout the miserable first half, is to blame. From Hal all the way down. Not just him, not just Cashman, although a lot of it is on Cashman and his poor roster construction at the start of the year, of course, even with the astronomical payroll that he was given. Not just Boone either, although lots of his decisions in-game are questionable at best. You also have the incorrect use of analytics, not the use period, but the incorrect use. The coaches, too, outside of Matt Blake, considering the pitching on this team absolutely carried them the vast majority of the year, especially starting pitching. So Matt Blake is good as far as I'm concerned. But the rest of the coaching and the players, a great many of whom, again, underperformed vastly. It's everyone's fault. 
And I think the organization could use a major overhaul. Not every single person, but quite a bit, to say the least. (laughs) And we have the next five months or so to talk about this, so we don't have to hit on everything right now, but at least one thing I've said, especially given how hot of a topic it is right now, is that if the Yankees come up this short, you're probably going to see Aaron Boone gone as the scapegoat, which I'm not against. But I've also said, you'd need more than that. You would need to do much more than that. Because we all know that he wasn't making all the decisions all alone. We don't know who's making them, how much of a percentage goes to the analytical department, or Cashman, or Boone, or someone else. We don't know specific percentages of who makes the decisions, but I think it's safe to say that we all know that Aaron Boone was not the end-all, be-all. I think that's pretty safe to say. More work would have to be done beyond him. And that's also an organizational thing. But maybe you even consider shaking that up. Give a bit more power to the manager. And don't just get rid of Boone and replace him with another version of himself. Maybe get someone experienced again, who's been in the dugout before. Wow, what a solution, right? Whoever thought of that? Filling a position with someone who's done it before? (gasps) Wow. But we'll see what happens with that. And there's just so much, guys. But I think we all know, especially after this unacceptable and inexcusable season, and the finish to it with what was expected coming in, we all know that this team needs change. And it needs it now. It doesn't need a full-on rebuild. It needs a retooling in a lot of different aspects, and not just on the field. We need to see change, and we cannot see this organization continue to just keep running this thing out there every year and keep on getting the same result in the end, and even regressing from it. And it needs to see it now. It needs change now. This is year five of this window. We've spoken about this, but I feel the need to repeat it because the Yankees don't seem to get it. This is year five since the window started with the unexpected year of 2017. And again, they've done nothing but mostly regress since missing the World Series by a game in 2017, 2018, embarrassed by the Sox in the ALDS, 2019, back to the ALCS but lost again in six again to the Astros, last year, back down to the ALDS, this year against the Red Sox, again, who have just dominated the Yankees for years now, with the Yankee team expected to compete for a title, they get knocked out in the wild card game, the wild card game. After only winning 92 games. Yanks, you're not even close. And you're only getting worse. Wake up. Make the needed changes. And according to Aaron Boone, it's other teams being good. Closing the gap, as he put it. And it's not only the Astros and the Red Sox being good, preventing them from getting where they need to go. Oh, so you're blaming it on others being good. And none of you are looking at yourselves and your own shortcomings and flawed fundamentals. Or all the games throughout the season that you could have easily won but couldn't stop getting creative in finding all sorts of different ways to cough them up. You're not going to look at any of those. Got it. Oh, and by the way, answer me this. 
Which two teams have eliminated the Yankees four out of the last five years, including this one? Speaking of it not only being teams like the Astros and Red Sox, preventing the Yankees from going where they need to go, which teams have eliminated the Yankees four out of the last five years again? Ah, yes, yes, that's quite right. The Astros and the Red Sox, Aaron! It's not working. The plan isn't working. Again, this is year five that you're trying to make a run at this thing. And it's the same thing every godforsaken year, and it's only getting worse. And it needs change. This team, this organization needs change. You can't ignore that it's been 12 years, not only without a championship, but even a pennant. A pennant! You can't ignore it! You are approaching all-time Yankee drought numbers. Especially the 12 years without a pennant now. But like I said, we've got all winter. Just like the previous two, since I started this show two and a half years ago. To discuss all of it, piece by piece, over the next few months. And we will. A different subject or two each week. Specific players, like I mentioned before. Bullpen, rotation, hitters, the infield, the outfield, or within the organization. Everything. But for now, I'm still just broken. And I'm emotionally wrecked from this torturous season. I'm just beyond depressed that it's over, like always, and that I'm not going to see my boys for the next five months, give or take. No matter how crazy they make me, I still get upset about that every year. Still haven't fully accepted it now. And I'm still just angry about it all. I'm not happy whatsoever, and I'm not looking back at anything with a smile, really. Not much of anything, like I usually can. I've been going through it since Tuesday, as are the rest of us, but let's just take it day by day, week by week, try to enjoy the rest of the playoffs, and then just get through the winter, like every year. It's just become a habit every year in Yankee land now. Just go to the playoffs, maybe barely even go into it like this year at all, maybe see a game and then be done, get eliminated, and then just get through the winter. So we'll be covering everything, including the CBA negotiations. So this should be an interesting offseason. And you know that, except for on the rare occasion I take weeks off, I'll be here every week to yap about the Yanks and everything involving them with you. And we'll help each other get through another offseason. We'll help each other. And also, until it's officially the offseason for everyone as well, after the World Series is over, until then, I just want to say, best of luck to all the teams going forward who remain, basically every playoff team except the Yanks and the Cardinals, and congratulations to the Red Sox, to all the great Red Sox fan friends I'm fortunate to have, many of whom are listening to me right now, I know for a fact, as they usually do. Just congrats to all of them, they deserve it. The Sox simply played better, and they deserved and wanted it more. And that's all there is to it. 
So congrats to them, best of luck to them, and best of luck to all the other teams who remain as well. So more or less, guys, that was everything else left in the basement, for me at least. That's Those are all my opinions poured out there for you. And as far as all the other off-season topics that I threw at you, like I said I would, we'll just piece it apart, little by little, week by week, as the winter goes along, and speak about every aspect of the team. I already have the next few weeks planned out about the main topics we're going to hit on, and we'll do it. And that's that. But speaking of helping each other, we're going to end the show the way I said we would, with the social media segment. And like I said before, with this week's social media segment, I also changed this around a little bit too. I didn't do a poll. I didn't do an open-ended question. I didn't do a Q&A. I did something this year that I figured everybody needs after a season like this one and after the way it ended, ultimately, with the wild card game. And that is a vent session or a therapy session, perhaps, whichever one you prefer. So speaking of helping people, I figured I'd help my fellow Yankee fans by putting out this sort of a social media segment for today, and this is how we're going to end the show. I put all of my thoughts out there, all of them. Now I want to hear what you had to say with the conclusion of this massive letdown of a season. And that's all there is to it. Just basically air all your grievances. That's all I ask you to do. So let's get right to it. Let's start on Twitter first, and I'll get through as many replies as I can. I'm not going to get to nearly all of them, so I'll get through as many as I possibly can. First up on Twitter, we have at BanRise09, and they say, I'm going to keep it simple. Roller coaster of a season, too many ups and downs, need to fix this as soon as possible. Starts with getting more guys like Randy or Rosarena, or guys that can make contact get on base, and get runs without the home run ball. Need another starter, and need guys to show up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the home run or nothing approach, I mean, not only were the Yankees down offensively all across this year, but yeah, the the home run or nothing approach, it hasn't resulted in a title. It hasn't. It hasn't resulted in anything for years now. And usually whenever the Yankees do mix in some contact, like mixing in Rizzo is a great thing, especially lefty batters like him. And when you had guys like Greg Allen come up and you had other speedsters like Tyler Wade actually figure out how to play the game of baseball, you saw how much those elements of the game can benefit a team. Because that's just the truth. And then other guys just stepping up. Yeah, I mean, that's another factor of what I said before with guys like DJ and Geo, Catalysts like that. You saw how much it hurt the lineup all year long when they were either just injured or underperforming, whether or not the injuries had to do with that underperforming, but the point is, the absence of those guys' performances like they were in 2019 and 2020, you saw how much it hurt the team to not have them performing like that this year. Other than Judge and Stanton, nobody stepped up really. Rizzo stepped up after coming here at the deadline, but other than that, really nothing. Starting pitching, I think they could evaluate that and probably do the least work with that because, I mean, they actually were successful this year. Garrett Cole, with the exception of down the stretch after the hamstring injury, was having a fine season. And Nestor Cortez obviously showed you fantastic things. Montgomery, unfortunately, had his ERA way inflated with that horrific start against Tampa in the final weekend. But before that, I mean, you look at his numbers, Montgomery had his best season. 
You got Seve. He'll be stretched out to become a starter again by next year. Hopefully he stays healthy. You're probably going to be seeing Tyone again. And Tyone, I mean, he was one of the best starters in baseball for like a month and a half or two around the middle of the season there. And after having his first full season back after all the Tommy Johns and the cancer this year, I mean, he could definitely build off that more next year and be even better. I would personally love to see Tyone back. He stepped up big time. I mean, especially in game 162. You want to tell me you didn't gain a lot of respect for him if you didn't have it already? Going out there not even at 100% and throwing a few scoreless frames against the Rays with everything on the line? He's a gamer, and you still have him under control. Now, as for Kluber, he was only here for a year. You're probably going to see him walk. I mean, I would probably let him walk, despite how big of a fan I am of him and how great he was for the month of May and... And here and there a little bit when he came back after his injury, but I mean, and of course he threw the no-hitter, but you're probably going to see him walk. So I guess if you could pick up one starter in placement of Kluber, that'd be fine, but the rotation on the whole was one of the better parts of the team this year. And it also just occurred to me that you could have guys like Luis Heal get a shot next year for the rotation, but anyways. But as far as the rest, I mean, yeah, especially the offense, guys just have to step up. You're absolutely right. All right, let's keep going. At Deflex2123 says, I'm tired of the overuse of analytics. Combined with the inability to further develop young players, there's a complete lack of function with this team. Why do players like Glaber and Sanchez get worse? What did they do with Davey Garcia? Will we ever truly see Clark Schmidt? It's time for change. Like I've said, I think it's more just the way the Yankees use analytics. I think it's flawed in a lot of ways. I think the use of numbers is a good thing, and it's always been a part of baseball to a certain degree. But it's just a matter of losing sense for the game itself and not properly enforcing the analytics the way they should, like other great analytic teams do, like the Dodgers, like the Rays, teams that you always constantly see competing every year and getting close to or even winning a title. These are analytically based teams. Because that's just the big thing throughout baseball now. And yeah, the development of young players, that could be questioned. Players like Glaber and Gary just getting worse. Glaber was terrible. Gary, with the exception of that month and a half or two tear, like I said, when he was hitting home runs and showing his potential again. I mean, other than that, he was horrible again. Gave you nothing. Davey Garcia, yeah, I mean, you saw him a little bit at the beginning of the season. But then you heard about him in the minors doing absolutely horribly losing all sense of his command and everything and just never seeing him again. And then Clark Schmidt was hurt for most of the year. So Clark Schmidt, I mean, he's had health problems. So, I mean, listen, these are cases that it's time for change along with all the other ones that I mentioned. You're right. At Yankee Ken says, one long slog of a season. Unwatchable at times. The team showed little urgency at times. The most unsatisfying 92-win season ever. One thing's for certain, they better get off to a fast start in 2022. They've lost the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, definitely the most unsatisfying 92-win season ever. I mean, it feels like each and every one of those wins, it was just a result of all of us nearly going to the hospital, and it was as painful as getting your teeth pulled. Every single one of those wins, almost. You maybe had two or three rocking chair victories all year. Like I said, it was just part of it just not being a fun season. It really was not a fun year. At Laura underscore Iceman says, This was the most inconsistent team I have ever seen. Too many hot and cold streaks, and it also taints how good of a season both Judge and Stanton had. 
There needs to be some sort of change for 2022. Yeah, there does need to be. And absolutely, Judge and Stanton again, like I've said time and time again, they ought to hold their heads high all off-season long because they stayed healthy the whole year, like I predicted they would, especially Judge with my January prediction again. And if Judge wasn't out with COVID, he would have played like 155 games plus, so there's that. But anyways, they stayed healthy. They silenced their critics. They put up great offensive numbers right to the end, carried the team throughout most of the season. And in a way, all the disappointment, yeah, kind of puts a damper on what were incredible seasons for the both of them. And it won't be forgotten. But it certainly makes it harder to look back on with a smile on your face, given how everything went throughout the whole thing and how everything ended. But they... They deserve praise. They silenced everybody who doubted them, and good on them. But absolutely, Laura, too inconsistent. It was the most inconsistent team ever, like I've said time and time again, and you're all right who say it. You're all correct. At Joanna2Mom, and Joanna says, Coaching staff except pitching coach has to change. Getting thrown out at home, double plays, all of it needs to stop. Need a catcher, shortstop, first baseman, Have to quit thinking you can win with just home runs and get some passion. You can't lose to the Orioles. That is wrong. Yeah, the Orioles, we said how much those losses costed them in the long run, whether it be having better competition for first place or being able to host the wild card game if you even give one of those losses back with the Orioles. And it is just wrong. Just a part of losing games that they shouldn't have lost. And yeah, like I said, I said that about the coaching staff. Get rid of all of them if you want. I don't care. Just keep Matt Blake because everything with him worked out well. The pitching carried the team throughout the vast majority of the season. So whatever, he could stick around. Getting thrown out at home like Phil Nevin in the wild card game. Yeah, that was a problem all year. And it came to fruition again in the wild card game. Like I said, a lot of elements that you saw throughout the season when the Yankees were playing at their worst, you saw again in the wild card game. A lot of things. The double plays, and yeah, individual positions with Glaber going back to second, which would force DJ to go to third since he doesn't play short. You probably have to sign a shortstop unless you keep Geo, but that's not his natural position. And I think you should have a shortstop at this point whose natural position is shortstop. But then, of course, having DJ at third, that's not his natural position either, but he's not going anywhere. So these are things you have to evaluate in the infield, first base included. Are you going to bring Rizzo back? Are you going to look to someone else? I personally wouldn't mind having Rizzo back at all, as many of you know. So yeah, and then the home run or nothing approach, it's good to have power, but it's good to have balance in the lineup. Lefties, righties, power, contact. It's good to have balance. You're right. I, I, I agree. I can't disagree with that. At Hoodie Frazier is next, and they say, completely wiped out by the season. I was relieved after they lost the wild card game. A lot of changes need to be made this offseason, although who knows what they'll actually go forward with. Hopefully they get a legitimate shortstop, trade Voight, maybe either Gio or Glaber, re-sign Rizzo, etc. Yeah, I mean, how many times did I say it? I'm just, I'm drained. I'm drained. And I think it's safe to say that we all are. I wasn't relieved after they lost the wild card game, but I mean... I'd be lying to you if I said that a part of me didn't see it coming. Just because of the way the season went on the whole. 
regardless of how positive I was about it, and I and I had them winning going in, I did, and like they did so often this season, they disappointed me, and they crushed me. <laughs> but yeah, the changes, we've gone over all of them. Maybe trade Voight, if Voight doesn't already request a trade himself. I don't see him back with this team. I've said as much even last week, spoke about the end of Luke Voight. I'm for re-signing Rizzo, and then, yeah, like we said, Glaber... I see him being at second because I just don't see them giving up on him. He's too young, too many years of control. But at this point, with the way he performed, his years of control would basically be the only thing that would give him value at this point. (laughs) I mean, there is a lot of upside as a young athlete like him, but with the past two seasons he's had, I mean, his value has to have decreased a bit. But his years of control will keep that up because years of control is still very important. He has a great many of them. But as far as Geo, Geo would probably be the the odd man out because there'd be nowhere left to play for him. If you bring back Rizzo and get another first baseman, that's the deal there. You keep Glaber at second most likely. You sign that big shortstop and then DJ, since he's not going anywhere, is probably your third baseman. There's nowhere for Geo to play. So yeah, this will be topics that we go into for sure. Next up we have, let's see here. At Andrew Caruso 77. And Andrew says, This season was full of inconsistencies. Every time we'd go on a hot streak, something bad would happen. Not to mention the slew of injuries and underperformances of key players. If someone in management doesn't get sacked, we're going to protest here until we get what we want. (laughs) I mean, listen, the protest idea is nice, but I mean, the Yankees are going to do what they do. (laughs) So, but yeah, full of inconsistencies for sure. And every time they teased you with a hot streak... Yeah, it'd be followed up by something bad or just massively disappointing. It'd just be torture in the end. they just bring you back in only to crush you. Like I said, just when you think, I mean, it could be used as the good thing. Just when you think they're done, they pull you back in, but then it could end up with them crushing your heart. So it's just bad. And then the injuries kicked in. Yeah, the injuries kicked in. And then you had the three COVID outbreaks. So a lot of crap happened. They did, and they battled through a lot, but... I mean, they still failed at their goal. I mean, big time. Worse than any year of the last five. And it was just torture. This season was torture, no doubt. I don't have to tell you. Let's do a few more before we wrap up this episode. After that, we have Spencer at Musician DMD. And Spencer says, The first 24 hours are always the hardest. I abstain from listening to sports talk radio reading New York Yankees news. I have minimal Twitter interactions. I understand how Yankee fans feel, but I'm also conflicted resenting a 92-win season. Ultimately, the New York Yankees won the wild card, and I think they would have been swept by Tampa either way. Yeah, I I agree with that last part. I do think they would have been swept. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, the the first 24 hours, I mean, right after the game, I disappeared on Wednesday. I maybe put out one tweet or two all of Wednesday, and that's very unusual for me because <laughs> I'm very active on Twitter. But usually, yeah, the first day after this, I disappear as well. I don't want to hear nothing from anybody. I don't want anybody speaking to me. Nothing. So I hear you there. And I usually wouldn't be conflicted with a 92-win season either, but given the expectations, Spencer, and how torturous this season was, it's hard to be okay with it. It really is. So I hear you, though. All right, let's keep going. Next, we have at BJJ Baseball 316. And they say it was embarrassing to finish with the same record as a rival team that was not supposed to be there. 
And now watching them maybe win another title with a patched up team like 2013 while New York Yankees trade and buy big players and still can't get by is horrible. Yeah, so I assume you're talking about the Red Sox. And yeah, the Red Sox weren't supposed to be there before the season started. They had a killer first half. Then they started to collapse in the second half like I anticipated just much later than I thought. And now they're putting up a pretty good fight against Tampa coming into today's game. I mean, I don't know who's going to win that series, but if they win against Tampa, if they move on from them, especially given the expectations coming in with them, I think Red Sox fans are going to consider that a win no matter what. And the 2013 Red Sox were a great team. I don't think that was a that was a patched up team. This year is more of a patched up and retooling Red Sox team than the 13, but I hear you. Finishing with the same record as them when the Yankees' expectations were much, much greater by everyone. That's not just a personal opinion. And watching them in the playoffs and the Yankees are on their couch, it's maddening. It's infuriating. And like I said, I'm tired of being eliminated by them and the Astros these last few years. I'm exhausted by it. I myself am really sick and tired of it. So you have every right to be frustrated. You do. Let's keep going. Up next, we have at Anthony 45774298. Jesus, the numbers. <laughs> and they say, I'm concerned that the same leadership will be back and we will again shop for reclamation projects for starting pitchers and not address catcher and shortstop correctly. And lastly, I can't see Hicks in center field. Please. Well, yeah, like I said, you're probably going to see Gary come back for the reasons I mentioned before. Shortstop, they could sign someone. Who knows? It depends on whether they'd be willing to spend money after resetting the tax or what happens with the collective bargaining agreement negotiations this winter. And with starting pitching, like I said, I know you're hinting towards Kluber and maybe even Tyone, but Tyone showed a lot of good. He really did, especially at the end there and in the middle of the season. And Kluber, you're probably not going to see him back, so it's whatever. But other than that, the rotation is still looking pretty good, and they... They carried the team for a lot of the season, the starting rotation. They really did. They were not the main problem. So as far as Hicks in center field, I mean, yeah, you guys know I'm not the biggest Aaron Hicks fan. I mean, he primarily was signed here for his defense, and his range in the outfield before he got hurt was questionable at best. And for someone who used to have such a strong arm, too, I mean, after he got Tommy John surgery, he just... He, his arm turned into a wet noodle. He has no arm anymore either. And his hitting was really nothing to write home about. So I'm not that big of an Aaron Hicks fan either. And I definitely don't think he's a center fielder anymore, especially because of his lack of range and arm strength anymore. And it really is a shame. He used to have a cannon for an arm. But he, he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have the range anymore. And his offense is not enough to really just say, oh my God, this guy definitely belongs here let alone the fact that he can't stay healthy. <sighs> God, I'm exhausted. We're an hour and ten in. Oh, my God. All right, I'm just going to do a couple of more and then read like two or three over on Instagram, and then we're going to wrap this up, guys. It's a very long episode. Next, we have at Kylie6464, my good friend Kylie. And Kylie says, I'm tired, Mike. I'm tired. But I still love the team. That's definite. I still love them, too. They drive me freaking nuts. And I really felt that I'm tired part of your comment. I felt that in my soul. My God. <laughs> At Julian Gallardi 1 says, Most dissatisfied season of the last five. Changes need to be made across the board. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have more or less been saying exactly that. I couldn't agree more. Amen to that. At Robert Perubsky says, most underwhelming Yankees season in recent memory. 100%. All right, let's do two more here on Twitter. Up next is at Big Jow, I think it is. (laughs) But they say, this whole season was a mess. It's a shame because Judge and Stanton were healthy all year and mashed. Seems like it was wasted. I think this team needs a shakeup. Can't keep running it back with the same or worse ending. Yeah. <laughs> Judge and Stanton being great. Yeah. The, the, the season being the way it was really put a damper on it. But, I mean, it's nothing to take away from them. I mean, they should be holding their heads high, like I said. But like I also said, yes, you can't keep running it back. You're absolutely right. You can't. Needs to be changed. At Eric Overseer. And Eric says... The fact that no one is mentioning Hal being cheap is problematic. Yeah, listen, I mean, you could you could go after him for being the owner of the New York Yankees and not willing to go over the luxury tax and caring more about resetting so you could save some money and not go after someone necessary when money's the only thing standing in the way is the New York freaking Yankees. Yeah, that could be used as a valid argument. And I agree with you there, hence the argument that how Steinbrenner is definitely partially to blame here, as everybody is. But he still did give Brian Cashman a payroll of over 200 million freaking dollars. And if you can't put a championship contender out there, and much less a team that won't stop regressing, then that's a problem too. And that's where the fault falls on Cashman as well. While he still made good moves, in the grand scheme of things, he has still failed as the organization on the whole has. So, let's do Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. Rebecca says, I'm fed up with the inconsistencies this team showed all season, and the wait for the home run approach has got to go. Yankees need to get more athletic and baseball smart. Steal bases, bunt, hit, and make things happen. Yeah, can't argue with any of that. I can't, Rebecca, and I'm exhausted by it, too. I can't argue with it. All right, let's finish off with at Leaf 6 Hope I said that right. (laughs) And they say the 2021 Yankees were a huge disappointment. They fell wildly short of expectations and for the most part played boring baseball and never showed an urgency to win. Yep, they did fall wildly short and... The baseball season, a lot of the time, was just insufferable. Not even boring, just insufferable. And the urgency wasn't there. A lot of the time, we spoke about that too, whether it be in-game moves that were made or weren't made, just the way they were playing, decisions with the lineup. It just wasn't urgent. All right, so that's it for Twitter. Like I said, plenty I didn't get to, but hey, even if I didn't get to you, you still got to vent out your frustrations, right? (laughs) And that's what this was for, so I hope that still made you feel better. But if you want to see the comments that I didn't get to, of course, on there, again, just go to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero. Find the tweet with the social media segment, and all of them are down in the comments. So take a look for yourself. But let's go over onto Instagram and read maybe, I don't know, two or three replies just to finish up. And then that'll be it for today with this long episode filled with anger and disgust. (laughs) So the same thing on Instagram as on Twitter, I told you to do, just vent your frustrations to me. First up on Instagram, we have 
official 52-0-11 saying, By mid-September, I realized what this team was. They were very streaky and inconsistent. So I'm not at all surprised that the season ended how it did. Well, I said something very similar in the sense that I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't a little part of me that expected the season to end the way it did, the way it did in the wildcard game. And it did end that way. So yeah, I agree, dude. I agree. It's hard to deny. At Mountain Gal 456 is next, my good friend Tina. And Tina says, I'm tired of the inconsistent play. If you look at the players we have on paper, it's really frustrating. We have so many good players, and yet they are inconsistent, and with that, we come up short once again. Something's gotta give for next season. Yeah, on paper, the expectations, that's what makes this so insufferable. (laughs) It really is, and the inconsistency, but like you said, something's gotta change. It has to. Alright, second to last, as always, Vic Salimo, my girlfriend, she says, If you keep using the same strategies, but get the same results... Is the problem that the other teams are getting better, or is it you? Because according to Boone, we just need to do better. Clearly that's worked out so well for you. Fire Boone. Yeah, definition of insanity. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. And it does come down to self-reflection, like I said before when Boone said that. It's about other teams closing the gap. Well, how about looking at yourself in the mirror? But it's going to take more than firing Boone, like I said. While I wouldn't be opposed to it at all, I would not be opposed to firing Boone. It's going to take more than that. It really is. And lastly, but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scadero, who wrote me a novel. (laughs) Basically saying, all I can say is that I am in disbelief that I'm watching the playoffs and the Yankees aren't in it. Instead, they packed up their lockers at Yankee Stadium. I guess I should be grateful that they put us out of our misery. This season was a roller coaster of uncertainty. I want them to get rid of a lot of people. Keep Judge and Stanton and a few others. Fire everyone else, starting with Brian Cashman. Thanks for nothing in the wildcard game, Cole. It's sad that a lot of the AAA guys seemed hungrier than some people on this squad. And for God's sake, stop paying all these players a ton of money who don't deserve it. They should get paid according to their performance. Well, I've said my piece, hoping for a better year next year with a new manager at the very least. See you all next year. Should be here before we know it. Well, first of all, about getting paid according to performance, the Players Association would never stand for that, Mom. I hate to tell you. (laughs) That would never fly. But, uh... Yeah, season of uncertainty, how hard it is watching other teams play in the playoffs and not the Yankees, yeah. You're right, and I I get the frustration about wanting to get rid of a lot of people. I get it. This team definitely needs change. A lot of it. You're not going to see Cashman go anywhere, even though I definitely think he should be held accountable for the constant failures of this team. He should be held accountable like basically everybody else. And I do think that that would bring legitimate change, but I I don't think you're seeing him go anywhere. I really don't. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I also wouldn't be surprised if a lot of aspects of this team stay the same because the Yankees and their arrogance, they just, they won't admit the fault in their system. But good luck with that if they want to go about that because that means we're just going to keep getting the same results every single freaking year. So we'll have to see what happens. We will, but we've got all winter to talk about it, guys, like I've said. 
And with that being said, I want to thank each and every single one of you for applying for this week's social media segment. As always, I hope you like the little change up doing therapy and event session as a result of the travesty that was the 2021 Yankees season. And I couldn't appreciate and love each and every one of you, as always, any more than I already do for participating, as always. But as for now... That is all for episode 116 of Yapping Yankees Today. I'm just exhausted. <laughs> I think I've said everything there is to say for now, more or less, and I'm just, I'm drained. Please remember to follow me on all social medias, guys. At Mike Scudero NY for Facebook. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is at MikeScuds97. Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show some love on all of them. Leave a like down below if you're listening on YouTube. Leave a review if you're listening on any of the other three. And if you have the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 116 today are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, October 17th, when I come at you with episode 117 of Yapping Yankees, the first official Yankees off-season episode. But until then... Hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and as always, thank you. Whether you've been around since the beginning, and have gone through the last three years with me on this show, give or take, or hopped on somewhere along the way, or even if this was your first episode, thank you for listening to me and supporting me throughout this entire 2021 season. From the bottom of my heart, guys, truly. Thank you. And hopefully next year, we can finally have a damn celebratory episode for once at the end of the season, with the Yankees finally hoisting the World Series trophy once again. Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care. (laughs) 